Welcome today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, however in the world it is that you are getting this program today. We're just so glad to have you with us today. Now, some of you have been tuning in for some time, and this program's been a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. Go over to establishedinthefaith.com and contact us, if you will. And feel free to share it with others. If this program's been a blessing to you, then perhaps it'll be a blessing to them as well. Well, we're going to go into chapter 2 of the book of Revelation today, dealing with the church at Ephesus. And we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Chapter 2 and verse 1 Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou Repent, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And I want to take a look at the church at Ephesus. A message to the church at Ephesus. Would you bow your heads, please? Heavenly Father, Lord, there are many people here today that you know their needs. You're acquainted with your creation. And Lord, it's time now to deliver this of which you've given unto me. Lord, only you can take these words to the hearts of your people. Lord, I pray that some way we'll all be drawn closer to you today. Anoint me today to rightly divide this word of truth. Lord, to present it in such a way that the least among us might be able to hear, to grasp, and better understand your word. And Lord, I ask it all in the precious holy name of Jesus, and everyone said amen and amen. On his third missionary journey, the Apostle Paul sailed to the city of Ephesus. And as he got off the ship and made his way down Harbor Boulevard, a street which was made of white marble stone, He made his way into the city and come to an intersection 
where three major highways led out to the remainder of the Roman Empire. These three highways made the city of Ephesus to be one of the great trade centers of the Roman Empire. There could have been as many as two million people in the city at any given time. And as the Apostle Paul stands there at this intersection with hundreds, thousands of people walking around in the marketplace, he noticed the beautiful buildings, he noticed the beautiful temples. Just in front of him on the side of the mountain, there was a Colosseum capable of sitting somewhere around 20,000 people. Directly across from it was a large amphitheater capable of seating 100,000 people. One historian said that Ephesus became known as the Vanity Fair of the Roman world of that day. But yet, if you were to travel there to the city of Ephesus today, all you would see is ruins. Why? There was a time when the church had its heyday. There are churches all across this land. Every five to ten miles you will see a church of some kind. Small churches, large churches. Here just the other week, Dana and I went up to Virginia to visit my cousin And we passed by a very large church. And the grass was growed up in the front of the building. And you could tell the church had been empty for some time. The church had seen its heyday. I don't know in the past year how many churches I have heard they have closed its doors because there's not enough people coming to support the church, to keep the lights on, to keep the heat and air conditioning on, and they have no other choice but to close the doors. Why? The Apostle Paul, when he came there to Ephesus, he established a church. He rented a building, the school of Tyrannus, and he taught there for two years. God moved in a mighty way. Sick bodies healed. Demon spirits were cast out. A move of God so great. Thousands of people were saved. So many people saved, in fact, that it began to affect the business of the idol makers. People were getting saved and they didn't need their little idols anymore. That's what happens when you get saved. 
the things that you used to depend on. You don't depend on those things anymore because all you need is Jesus. And the people were no longer supporting the idol makers' business. And these idol makers noticed the income drop. And it didn't take them long to find out what was going on. And they stirred up an uproar in the city. And it was around this particular time that God moved upon Paul. And Paul moved on to the city of Macedonia. And when Paul moved, he left that church there in Ephesus into the hands of a young man by the name of Timothy. And it is believed that sometime later, John, the one to whom wrote the book of Revelation, came and worked alongside with Timothy there at the church at Ephesus. And it is believed that John spent most of his life there at Ephesus, working with Timothy. It is believed that that this is the place where John was at when the Roman soldiers came in and arrested him. John said that, He was on the Isle of Patmos for preaching the Word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. And young Timothy watched as those soldiers came and they bound up John and carried him away. And Timothy was left to lead the church. So when it says in Revelation chapter 2 in verse 1, unto the angel of the church at Ephesus. The word angel simply means messenger or the one to whom gives the message. The Lord was speaking to the pastor of the church. And when the Lord used that phrase, in essence, he was speaking to Timothy, Paul, while he was in prison, wrote two letters to Timothy, 1st and 2nd Timothy. And in those letters, he would write Timothy and tell him to preach the word. He said, preach it in season, preach it out of season, reprove, rebuke. Exhort, preach the word, preach it in season, preach it out of season. When it's popular to say it, you say it. And when it's not popular to say it, you say it. Preach the word. And when we read there in Revelation chapter 2, verse 2. And the Lord commends the church. Let's take a look at it. He said, I know thy works, thy labor, thy patience, how thou canst not bear them which are evil, 
has tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, has borne, has patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Move down, if you will, to verse 6. He said, you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. All of this are things that Paul wrote to Timothy in First and Second Timothy. From the outside, looking in, if you could have been there observing all that was taking place, you would look at that and say, man, those people, they are really on fire for the Lord. They must really love the Lord to be doing what they are doing. But nothing prepares us for this of which the Lord has to say. When he said there in verse 4, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. What happened? What happened to Timothy? What happened to the church at Ephesus? What has happened to a lot of the churches all across this land today and they're closing their doors? When the Lord addressed the churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, each one of these seven churches, the Lord in the introduction to that church would reveal particular attributes about himself as they are recorded in the vision of Revelation chapter 1. And it is in these particular attributes that the Lord brings out about himself that he uses in order to get the attention of the church, to try to get the church to look at this particular attribute in the Lord so that we can properly evaluate ourselves to see where we line up. Because, you see, that's what a Christian is. We are to be Christ-like, to be like Jesus And in this of which I've just read to you this morning, the Lord gives two attributes about himself. First of all, he said, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 20, we find that the seven stars are symbolic of the angels or the messengers or the pastor, if you will, of the church. The Lord is holding the pastor responsible. It is the pastor that is to go to the Lord in prayer and seek the Lord for that in which the church needs 
And as he gets before the Lord and the Lord gives him that of which the church needs, it is then the pastor's responsibility to deliver that of which the Lord has given him. And ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something this morning. It's not easy. Sometimes the message that the Lord gives, if that preacher delivers it the way that God wants him to, not everybody's going to be happy. Not everybody's going to applaud the preacher. When you listen to a preacher and he never steps on your toes, he's not much of a preacher. The Lord has given me some things. I wonder why sometimes he doesn't give it to me while I'm preparing and while I'm studying. He'll give it to me even while I'm standing here preaching to y'all at times. I don't know how many times I've made this statement. I've said a lot of things here I didn't intend to say. That's because if the Lord had given it to me earlier, I'd have thought about it. And I probably wouldn't have said it. But the Lord holds the pastor responsible. He gives me the message and it's my responsibility to give it to you. And God forbid that I ever let a dollar bill stand in the way of what God's given me to give to you. I know at times the Lord has given me some things to say, some things that are controversial, things that I really, I don't want to go there because people are opinionated and you don't get a lot of popularity by saying certain things. Could it be that Timothy... The Lord had given him a message to give to the church that he knew would not be accepted by the people. Could it be that the Lord had given him a message that would incite the authorities to come and arrest him just like they did John? And Timothy has a problem delivering this message Because of the opposition. Could it be? The Lord gives another attribute about himself. He said, I am he who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. The candlesticks symbolize the church. And in the vision of chapter 1, we see the Lord walking, we see Him moving in His church. The Lord wants to move in His church. The Lord wants to move, He wants to work within your heart. Within your life. And then as we come together corporately, the Lord wants to move and work in the church. 
And the way the Lord does that is through the preaching and the teaching of His Word. He also moves through songs and hymns. That's the way the Lord moves and works. But when the preacher refuses to deliver that of which God has given him to deliver, because of a dollar bill or a lack of popularity, it restricts the Lord from moving in his church the way that he wants to move. Let me flip the coin over and let's look at it this way. When the preacher of the gospel delivers that of which the Lord has given him, and the church rejects that which has been delivered, and the people say, no, we don't want that in our church, it also restricts the Lord from moving in his church the way that he wants to. When that happens, when the Lord is not allowed to move in his church like a body of water that is surrounded by trees and the wind can't get, that water will sit there and stagnate. And that's what happens to a church. When the Lord is not moving and working in that church, the church will stagnate. And God forbid that this church becomes stagnant because I refuse to deliver that of which the Lord's given me to deliver, or vice versa. And why is it that the church becomes stagnant? Why is it that you become stagnant? The Lord's not moving, the Lord is not allowed to move or work in the church, what, what's causing it? I'll tell you what's causing it. If the preacher is not delivering the message, it is because he has a love for something else. That could be money, popularity, numbers, Flip it over and look the other way. If the preacher delivers the message and the church rejects the message, maybe it's because the message that's been delivered rubs against their culture. Maybe it rubs against their tradition. Maybe it rubs against their family. They love their family more than they do the Lord. And it can look religious, it can sound religious. It look, if you could have been there in that church at Ephesus and have seen all that was going on in your mind, you would have thought that they really loved the Lord. But he said, you have left your first love. My question to you this morning Are we properly evaluating ourselves? Or are we just fooling ourselves? Do we really love the Lord as we should? Or do we really love something else more than we do Him?
And when you properly evaluate yourself, there's only one cure. And the Lord said, repent. Turn around, turn away from whatever it is. He said, repent and do the first works. The first work that Jesus came into this world to do was to die on Calvary's cross for you and I. The first work that you and I are to do for the Lord is to deny ourselves and to take up the benefits of the cross. The price that Jesus paid for you and I, do it daily and follow Him. That is the first works of which the Lord was referring to. And you either do it or else. Or else what? Judgment. That is the reason why so many churches are closing its doors today. Because their love for the Lord is not where it ought to be. But it's also a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. For in the last days men would be lovers of their own selves. They would be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And the Lord said, I will come unto you quickly and remove your candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. The candlestick is removed because it's not shining the light in the community as it should. And the Lord removes it, he takes it out of the way. Because when... The church does not allow the light of the Holy Spirit to shine as it should. Then really it's in the way. And the Lord removes that which is in the way. That thriving city of Ephesus. With all of its commerce. The vanity fair. Of the ancient world. If you were to travel there today. You will see the ruins. Because. When the church loses its love for the Lord. Then the candlestick is removed. And all that's left then is destruction. And this nation is getting darker and darker as the days go by. And the reason we're seeing the problems in the nation is because the problems in the church. The way the church goes, then so goes the nation. Ladies and gentlemen, it starts right here with you and I. He closed it out just like he did all the other churches. Revelation 2 verse 7. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church.
If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.